the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour two of tonight's Andrea K show. I keep eating these spicy nuts that somebody left in the in the lunchroom, and I'm not going to be 102 pounds no more. These are yummy, these hot nuts. Ooh, spicy. Um, speaking of spicy, how do I segue from spicy nuts into, uh, I guess, you know, Merrick Garland is not exactly spicy, but he is nuts if he thinks that MAGA is believing any of this nonsense he's putting down. Of course, he's been withholding the probable cause of of that. We know we know we MAGA m- many millions of Americans. We we get what's going down here, and not in that it's not just about Trump. That it's really about seventy five million MAGA voters, and ultimately, what it's about is trying to control this country, control the outcome of elections in order to to work with the Democrat Party to transform us from a constitutional republic to their centralized system of power that they want. And the FBI and the DOJ have been completely corrupted for a long time now. It's just become obvious to us. What's the end game here? A lot of people, when this raid happened, people have been talking for a while. In fact, I talked about it on my show a while back. You know, you know, is it, it, do we need to start talking about, you know, some kind of national divorce here? Do we, you know, we, we can't reach across the aisle with people that want, want to be doing this to us. Right. But then after, um, so then it got even worse and escalated to where after this raid, hashtag civil war started trending on Twitter at the same time as national divorce. And we we certainly don't want anything to get ugly in the streets. I think that there is a civil war happening right now, even though shots haven't been fired. I think these are perilous times for us. I think we need to remain clear headed. But how ugly can it get? There's a, I've got a guest tonight. His name is Blaine Pardo. He's written a book, A Most Uncivil War. He's got a new book out as well called Blue Dawn, which is fiction. And But many people are saying that it kind of parallels where this country is, is going. And he joins me now to discuss. Hi, Blaine Pardo. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. So what's your take on, before we get into your book, um, you know, you, you obviously, you write, you write fiction, but um, you're, you're kind of like maybe, I think, maybe um, Vince Flynn in terms of his books that were fiction, but they were based on his understanding of the government. How do you see what's going on here with this, this raid on Mar-a-Lago? You know, what this really is, is the militarization of the police force. Um, Obama had actually pressed to nationalize all law enforcement, you know, which really yeah. would have given, if you think about it, it's one of those concepts that got glossed over because it got pushed back, but it really was to give him an army that quite literally would be larger than the United States Army, you know, in every city and in every government. And uh, I think what we're seeing is a, a kind of a, a glimpse of what that might look like with with the FBI. It is clear, you know, when Merrick Garland came out and started playing the victim card immediately, you know, these po- brave patriots that are yeah. being threatened, 
you know, I, I'm like, I, I, did you watch the same footage I did? Um, you guys surrounded Mar-a-Lago. You knew that Trump wasn't there. Um, you had sirens going. You had flashing lights. You went in with 30 to 40 agents to conduct this search. You refused to let them have the cameras on while you were doing the search. You know, this is very totalitarian. And it really reminds me of Elian Gonzalez almost. Like yeah. What during that, the whole Clinton era. It is brute force with a police department, and that is scary because they are literally painting themselves now as the victims in all this. Well, yeah, and and doing so in a way that basically is, how dare you speak up? And if you speak up and express any kind of, if you dare to question, something's wrong with you. And that is, that's how to use to use it, an analogy. That's how um, abusive husbands are to their wives, right? You speak up, don't, don't you dare question me. If I tell you to cook a filet mignon and you better not cook anything else or I'm going to punch you in the face. You know, it's how, you better not question me. Don't question anything I say. I think it was it Socrates who said um, to see who controls over you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. I don't remember exactly who made the quote, but they were genius. You know, and when all is said and done, you're looking at a government. Let's remember that it's, this is, goes way beyond the Department of Justice, and I'll get to that in a second. But what we're really looking at is a Department of Justice that has labeled parents who spoke up at PTA meetings as domestic terrorists. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a Department of Justice that recently said the Betsy Ross flag is a symbol of alt-right extremism. You know, that yeah. this is the way they're painting anyone that isn't a progressive at this point. We're all considered extremists, insurrectionists, you know, seditionists. We are domestic terrorists. And that's literally down the path they're going. And when they started labeling American parents as domestic terrorists for daring to speak up against critical race theory, mm-hmm. That was the start of what you're you're seeing. And I don't think this is the end of where the Justice Department and the FBI are going to go. Where do you think it's going to go? I think they're going to continue to exert authority because they did this and they got away with it. And, and any time the government gets away with anything, they do it over and over and over again. There's been no ramifications of this. Nobody's been held accountable. Uh, everybody's claiming I didn't know, uh, except Merrick Garland. Uh, yeah, I got to be honest with you. This, this is scary stuff to watch. Well, it is. And I have to disagree with you a little bit. We're, we're, um, we're talking to Blaine, <clears throat> excuse me, Pardo, author of Uncivil War and Blue Dawn, the new book's out. We're going to get to that in a moment. But <clears throat> I actually think um, it goes back at least when in relations to Trump and MAGA. Um, I was, I remember saying on my show years ago, don't ignore what's happening to Michael Flynn. Don't think that this is just about him. This is going back into early 2017 when Michael, Mike Pence, of course, who I have no respect for at this point, didn't like then. I didn't like him as choice. Uh, I, you know, cause I, I didn't trust him. I said, we will, if you ignore Michael Flynn and if what went down with him and the entrapment of him and the fact that they went and what he thought was going to be a conversation, not knowing that he, that they were there, you know, as part of an investigation and withheld that from him, um, if they could if they could do that to Michael Flynn, a general, a three star or four star, they could do this to you. 
And it's only gotten worse from there. Then we found out about, you know, uh, Crossfire Hurricane, the insurance policy, which was the coup attempt. Bob Mueller knew the second that he walked into to that investigation, there was no evidence. And you know who else knew, uh, Blaine? Uh, the Republican Party knew because there was closed door uh, testimony. They knew. Everybody knew that there was no evidence about Trump, but he was a dis- disruptor who came into D.C. and they needed to get rid of him. We are here right now because both parties have allowed this to happen and didn't care. It was actually George W. Bush with his Patriot Act that set the stage for this, that used the fact that some Islamic terrorist, uh, you know, waged an, an act of war against the United States. He decided to use that as an excuse to spend trillions of dollars to start data mining on Americans. Well, I'm going to concede my earlier point to you because you so clearly articulated a, a, an excellent stand. And I would also add that what we're also looking at with all of this is a literal militarization of this force. And both parties have looked the other way mm-hmm. when it comes to this because they they keep thinking, well, it's under control. And it's a nuclear reaction. You, you don't, there's levels of control and there's a point where it just becomes out of control. And this is about to get out of control. I think the key is for us as conservatives don't overreact to this. Don't become the domestic terrorists that they want us to. That doesn't mean we're always going to take the high road on this, but we have to be very careful that we don't overreact and give them the justification to crack down even harder. Well, that's a good point. You know, there were rallies that were planned, uh, you know, around the FBI and people were like big voices in conservative media were like, do not go there. Do not do this. There was, uh, you know, uh, uh, supposedly this shooter outside an FBI office. I've heard conflicting reports about what went on there, about who he was. Did he actually, you know, bring a gun or was it a nail gun? I don't know. Uh, We don't know anything about him other than his profile certainly looks like he might have been an a plant, uh, just like we know uh, that what went on with these Gretchen Whit- this Gretchen Whitmer fed napping plot. I don't know if you've been following that. I-, I follow Julie Kelly closely and what she's been reporting out of there. I mean, for for those who thought for years that what was going on was just a few people at the top, I've been saying for years this has to go deep. It has to go deep, and it's and it's at, it, at local field agencies like what went on in Michigan, where that special agent in charge, the guy overseeing that operation there, he and a bunch of his his agents cooked up a phony fed napping kidnapping plot against Whitmer they wanted to do it with Northrum Northrop or whatever his name was a clan guy out of Virginia and that same guy now over that Michigan field office is now in charge of the January 6th field office and I I'm one of the people that believes we need to abolish the FBI um, there's an article on AM greatness that goes into details about how they do that it can be done. There is no reining it in. The, Christopher Ray, a Republican Donald Trump appointee, Blaine, what has actually, he is, everything they accuse the conservatives of is what they're doing. He has obstructed justice. He's refused to hand over documents. Um, and not in, in terms of investigations, in terms of what the FBI did with Crossfire Hurricane and the Russian collusion hoax. They buried evidence on Hunter Biden. I mean, it's like there's, there's no accountability. There's no reining them in. Do you agree that the FBI should be abolished at this point? I think the FBI needs a serious personnel enema. And that's (laughs) the best way to approach it. I I don't think you can just abolish it. What I don't want to do is abolish it and have criminal investigations fall apart. 
that that do need to be pursued. And and it's I don't think it's everyone in the FBI is the problem. I think a lot of the rank and file are good people. I, I know FBI agents because I write true crime with my daughter. And I, I got to be honest with you, a lot of the agents I deal with are very straightforward, upstanding folks who really don't let their politics in. But that middle level and top level of management needs to be flushed. And it's a real problem, and a lot of them need to really be carefully scrutinized, and their political activities need to be reviewed because this has gotten way out of hand. And to an earlier point, you know, we keep focusing on the DOJ and the FBI, but let's the real sneaky thing that that happened, which nobody else, I, I put it in uh, Epic Times this week, is six days prior to this. The Biden administration nominated a new head archivist for the National Archives. Oh, really? And this person, you're going to love this, in charge of our nation's history, isn't a historian. She's a political scientist. <laughs> and she's written anti and she's written anti Bush books and political treatises about how radical the Republicans are, et cetera. And she, Six days prior to this, they nominate a new head for the National Archives. Mm. I think Republicans need to stand up and go, what did she know? Did she sign off on this? Is Mm. she really qualified? Was there quid pro quo? In other words, did she get this nomination? She came out of the White House Historical Department. Oh, my gosh. You know, is she... You know, really just been put into this position to rubber stamp this operation. And I think Republicans need to go in there and do this. This goes way beyond just, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the, the DOJ and the FBI. This, this is the proof of the level of depth of the deep state. Absolutely. It also involves the intelligence community. And the benefit for them involving this is just like Crossfire Hurricane and the Russian collusion hoax, having it be uh, tying tying investigations to the intelligence community, Ukrainian whistleblower, gives them cover. Then they can do things like right now withholding the affidavit. Oh, it's the intelligence community. We we, we can't share it because it's classified, right? And it, yeah. then they get to use things like FISA courts that we should have never put in. And we should not have foreign intelligence courts be making decisions about spying on the American citizens, right? Um, so, and then, and then that leads to where, since it's a part of the intelligence operations and classified information, then you've got people like a retired General Hadley and MSNBC calling for Trump's execution. So these are really scary times. And that leads me to ask about your book. I am a big fiction book person. I'm uh, particularly military books, anything related to that. And I saw you got this book, Blue Dawn. And I was thinking, is that kind of like that movie that I love so much, Red Dawn, with, um, you know, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze and Emilio Estevez. Tell everybody about Blue Dawn. What Blue Dawn is, is an alternate history book where um, on page six of the book, Biden and uh, Kamala Harris both are killed right after the election. Trump calls for a new election and the progressives violently overthrow the government. Ooh. And they, I give the, you know, I think part of the problem conservatives have is they don't understand what things would be like if progressives got everything they wanted. So I give them that in the book. 
So for five years, they put everything they want in place. They round up all of the people who don't believe the way they do and put them in social quarantine camps. They take the Antifa thugs that have burned our cities, et cetera, and they turn them into their brown shirt army called social enforcement, and they let them go out and execute social justice. They put a truth reconciliation committee in place to enter into an alliance with big tech and with the mainstream media to make sure that, you know, the language, et cetera, is appropriate and the right stories are out there. I give them everything that they want. And then what happens is a handful of people start realizing this is wrong and start fighting back. So in Blue Dawn, we set the stage for that. The second book in the Blue Dawn series, The Most Uncivil War, is when they start to move towards a true free election. And when that happens, we start entering the second American Civil War as a result. And it it carries the story forward with the same characters plus some new characters. And it's just, it's an interesting way to look at this Mm -hmm. Because I think conservatives just have a hard time articulating right. how scary and totalitarian the progressives really are. So I'm like, let's give them everything they want and show them for what they are. Well, they don't just they're not just uh, uh, struggle to uh, with the ability to articulate it. They're too scared to um, because all, they're they're so scared. They're going to say they just want to talk taxation and regulation on the campaign trail because they don't want to call the Democrats out for what they are because. They're scared they might lose a vote, and all they really care about, for the most part, many of them, is is retaining power. I'm past the point of a break. I'm so glad you came on the show tonight. I have to read your books because I just am obsessed with it. Tell everybody where they can see uh, get your books. Get me on Amazon.com, folks. Blaine Pardo, P-A-R-D-O-E, Blue Dawn, and A Most Uncivil War. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, y'all stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Let's have a few more laughs, shall we? At the Department of Justice's expense. I'm going to read a couple more (laughs) from the Federalist. 20 things the Fed probably planted in the boxes they took from Trump's house. (laughs) Um, Here's an item. Um, An inscription in a 2021 Playboy calendar. It's the only marking on the otherwise crisp planner. On the little square for January 6th, it reads, Remember to do insurrection. (laughs) Number seven, a diary. From the entry on page one, dated December 31st, 2021. I'm so mad. The only reason I colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election was to get close enough to AOC to date her. (laughs) But she keeps rejecting me. I now have no choice but to project my sexual frustrations on her boyfriend's feet (laughs) and spend the evening curled up watching my fellow white supremacist on Fox News. Wish I could tweet about it. <laughs> this is so hilarious. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks this is funny? <laughs> uh, number nine, a crack from the Hunter Biden evidence shed. Um, <laughs> here's another item. Number 10, dartboard with Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> face on it. <laughs> The FBI has it labeled with an evidence tag reading Trump's plans to assassinate the speaker. (laughs) 
you know what? Thank you, Federalists, for making me laugh. And But on a serious tip, this is how desperate they are. This is how much they fear Donald Trump and his return to the White House. Uh, but, uh, but getting seriously, though... A hundred percent of this is about control, right? This is the the left is in a full on attack on our constitutional rights, and they're not even hiding anymore their plan to just basically just trample the Constitution and say, you know what, Second Amendment, you don't have the right to do that. We get to decide what your rights are. Here's Beto O'Rourke. Remember Beto? What? what, what, uh, By the way, Beto. In the same speech, I'm going to play a clip of when he's talking about how you basically don't have any rights here in the United States of America. Um, he's so he's so confident in his ability to control every aspect and the Democrats control uh, ability coming soon to control every aspect of your life. He he actually called somebody in the crowd. This is how much they hate you and think they've got a right to control you. He he actually saw somebody laughing in the middle of a speech the other day, this same speech I pulled this clip from and started calling the guy. And a, a word that has the initials MF in it in front of old ladies and children is any constitutionally protected right absolute or are there some restrictions on it? Is that not a contradiction? And if it's a constitutionally protected right. Didn't he answer his own question? Is it is any constitutionally protected right? Absolute. It's yeah, it's in the Constitution. But they don't want to follow the Constitution. And every day they're destroying it inch by inch. And we got to be protecting it. And we got to be calling out the Republicans that aren't doing their job and aren't aren't, uh, preserving and defending the Constitution. And the Constitution basically is the rule of law in the United States of America. And it has been trampled by this FBI and by this DOJ for years and years and years and years. We need to be one of the things that we need to be doing is we need to be on the phone this coming week with everybody who represents us. I don't care if it's your district or not, right? Because it doesn't matter whether or not they're in your district or you vote for them. What these Congress people do is affecting you, right? We need to be on the phone with them and telling them you need to be supporting Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I do, I want to disagree a little bit with Blaine Perdoe. He said that he didn't want to abolish, he was the author we were talking to, he didn't want to abolish the FBI because he didn't want to give up the investigations. Well, I I referenced last hour this article from AM Greatness, which was written by a guy whose dream from the time he was seven years old was to be an agent in the FBI. And he talks about how obsessed he was with it, with law enforcement, about how, you know, when he, he ended up in his career, um, not joining the FBI, um, but in his work as a part of counterterrorism, that he provided briefings um, to an FBI-led group of joint terrorism task forces. I mean, this has been his life. And he was just absolutely, you know, enamored with and respected and loved the FBI. And he is now calling for it to be and saying it must be abolished. And um, and he gives exact, you know, very detailed ideas on how that can be done but before he goes into those ideas he said the solutions to the abuses we now endure is not just to subject the fbi to another fruitless inspector general investigation but to dismantle it completely the bureau cannot be the focus of yet another congressional hearing fbi director christopher ray like his predecessors is more than happy to sit smirking while a handful of grandstanding congressmen and senators pound the table and yell on c-span then he'll jet off for a holiday vacation on a taxpayer funded private jet while the same congressman vote to increase his budget 
again. No, he says the FBI must be rendered into competent component parts and distributed to the four winds. He said the Bureau has always had its problems and its detractors. But at this point, um, but most of the FBI's politicization had to do with maintaining its own administrative superiority and independence, not serving as a muscle for a particular political party. That's no longer the case. He goes on to say, you know, some other things I haven't mentioned tonight, like it exonerated Hillary Clinton for her illicit server. It raided James O'Keefe and private Veritas when Joe Biden's daughter lost her diary. It eliminated investigation into Black Lives Matter and other black identity extremists because those pursuits annoyed the Democrats, Congressional Black Caucus. It refuses to even utter the word Antifa while churches and pregnancy centers are firebombed. It continues to cover up for Hunter Biden's corrupt dealings with enemy nations, along with his indulgence in criminal prostitution and drug use. I'll add in there that it still to this day has not declared the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. He goes on to talk about many things that I mentioned tonight from FISA courts to Russian collusion. Here's how he says to break it up. You break it up responsibly. You separate out the FBI's component parts, the FBI's crime lab, statistical services, and the National Crime Information Center Service should be pulled out and left as, as independent agencies with the sole job of supporting federal, state, and local other federal, state, local law enforcement agencies. You can parcel out the FBI's criminal justice division to uh, and its tasks to the various state-level bureaus of investigation. Provide direct federal funding to compensate for the extra workload. Let them primarily make state-level cases in state court for the crimes committed within the physical boundaries of their states. It's not as though kidnapping, bank robbery, drug dealing, or racketeering went unpunished before the FBI came along. White-collar financial and cyber crimes can be handled by the U.S. Secret Service. Federal crimes whose perpetrators directly cross state lines can be given to the U.S. Marshals Service to track down. Unlike the FBI, the U.S. Marshals are largely scandal-free and have a long history of cooperating successfully with state local enforcement. He says the problem is... Uh, and for the for the disgraced National Security Division, divide up the FBI's counterterrorism portfolio among the remaining federal law enforcement and homeland security agencies. He says the FBI's str- uh, stranglehold on counterintelligence is perhaps the most important to break. Um, he says that it doesn't seem as though the the Republican Party has the stomach to do this, but the FBI's responsibility for counterintelligence should be taken away, invested in the National Counterintelligence Executive. I agree with absolutely every bit of this. It can be done and it must be done. No excuses. There's no reigning in the FBI at this point. We held people accountable. And, you know, this is just this has been more and more and more since the United States inception of amassing more and more and more power to the state. So that unelected people, little cockroaches behind the scenes can run around and, and burrow and destroy this country behind the scenes. And they're like, uh, maybe, maybe termites, maybe termites are a better analogy. So this is what needs to happen. And so anytime there's anybody that's running for office, anytime there's anybody that that uh, going forward, I want every Republican, I want everybody who currently is in office, and I want every Republican running for office to tell me that they are in support of the FBI being demolished. I also want the IRS demolished. There's no reason for the IRS as well. Go to a flat tax. Go to a flat tax. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think it should be a consumption tax like 2%? 
whether whenever you're buying something somewhere or just a flat tax on your income. 888-344-1170. I'm going to take a break when I come back. I got to give you San Diego guys some information on what's happening with COVID, COVID deaths information and the shots. We got that to share with you guys when we come back. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Okay, more from the list from the Federalist as to what the FBI, the title is 20 Things the Feds Probably Planted in the Boxes They Took from Trump's House. Let me see if I can read some more of these without giggling too hard. <laughs> Number 13, a hideous woman's dress size four. Because we know the FBI didn't find one of those in its secret pillage of Melania's wardrobe. And what else are the media supposed to talk about at Christmas time? <laughs> Number 14, a let's go Brandon foam finger. <laughs> It's sticking out of a box labeled violence. <laughs> whoever is this, whoever wrote this really needs to take over a late night show because those guys don't have any sense of humor. And this is killing me here. <laughs> Number 15, a framed transcript of Trump's Charlottesville remarks. The phrase very fine people adorns the top of the page in a title script. But for space, the words, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally, have been edited out. (laughs) Number 17, a VHS copy of the P-tape ladled. (laughs) This thing I totally did. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Federalists, for the laughs. See, see, you know, the Democrats have destroyed comedy, right? I mean, they've just completely ruined it. I mean, these, these guys in these late night shows aren't doing anything funny. They're just spouting, you know, rhetoric and people are clapping because they like, like the narrative that's being pushed. There's nobody really telling jokes out there. Is this not the funniest thing you've heard in a while? I mean, when was the last time Saturday Night Live was funny? I mean, like for real. If Saturday Night Live was still funny, they would be already have been doing videos of Joe Biden shaking hands with air, right? Or with ghosts walking on a stage. Come on. Well, I don't. The last time I actually watched Saturday Night Live and thought it was funny, Will Ferrell was on there and he played and he I think that was when he did W and strategery when he would mock George W. Bush. So they used to be funny. I haven't watched them in many years. All right. Um, all right, San Diego. What's up with this dude? Are you guys, uh, do you guys go to Padres games? Are you still into the Padres? Somebody sent me this article today. I haven't been, I haven't been, I, I've never been a huge baseball fan. And then on top of it with COVID and get, you know, everything that happened with the sports, it's like, I just haven't re- really been following it. And then I find out, I did know though, this local guy here that was like, I supposedly our best player, Tatis, right? That's how you say his name, shortstop. Well, apparently now the big story is he's been suspended for 80 games. Well, here's his story. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, I, I don't trust any institutions anymore. Now we're supposed to be trusting the major league baseball people. Who claiming some that that I mean eighty games? Here's his story. He's supposedly he's supposedly suspended for eighty games after testing positive for a performance handing substance for steroids. But here's what he had to say, a jalapeno. He said it turns out that I inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm. 
<laughs> that, that in, contained Clostebol. I should have used the resources available to me in order to ensure that no banned substances were in what I took. I failed to do so. So you take one, you take one round of some ringworm medication and you can't play for 80 games? Does this make sense to you? Well, he's saying he got it from a ringworm treatment, by the way. I don't, how, how does one get ringworm? <laughs> do you San Diegans have, a, have a, uh, uh, something to say about this? 888-344-1170. Evidently, he hasn't even been playing. He's actually he's already missed 114 games because of a wrist injury. And so it's not like he's been playing at all. So now he's going to miss the next 80 games, which even goes into 30-something games in the next season. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of this story. I don't know if to think he's really kind of an innocent guy and he's being railroaded here. 80 games for, for a ringworm treatment seems excessive. Well, I don't know. Something doesn't seem right about here, and I'm not sure if it's the ringworm story or not. Speaking of um, medical stuff and, and nonsense, KUSI is reporting information, updated information on local KUSI on recent COVID deaths and and how many of those were people of that had been vaccinated versus non-vaccinated and more than uh, here in San Diego County, more than 3 million or 89.9% of San Diegans aged six months and, and older are at least partially vaccinated. Nearly 2.66 million or 79.4% are fully vaccinated. A total of 1,424,581 or 58.5% have uh, received a booster, right? Yet, according to KUSI, over 60%, 67% of San Diego County recent COVID deaths, 41% of San Diego County's recent COVID deaths are among fully vaccinated and boosted individuals. 26% are fully vaccinated. They just haven't gotten the boost. So that means that 67% of COVID deaths recently are people that were fully vaccinated. I'm old enough to remember when they were telling us that if you got the, if you got one shot, you couldn't get it or give it. Then we had to get a second shot. Then we had to get a boost, third shot, boost, and a fourth booster. And you can still get it and give it. And then, and, and in fact, now we got rebound COVID. We were told that that it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And the reality is, according to local San Diego, that not only that when then we were told, well, but these shots stop you from from it getting so bad that you're going to die from it. Sixty seven percent of San Diego deaths of recent deaths have been. And, and this the, the, of this time period was three months total of 88 deaths. Sixty seven percent have been fully vaccinated. These are the numbers. From, to quote from one of my favorite movies, these are the facts and they are undisputed. You know what movie that's from? A Few Good Men. These are the facts and they are undisputed. All right, we're going to be back. One more segment before we wrap up the show. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Interesting story in the New York Post. A, a, a scorned wife has taken out a full-page advertisement in her local newspaper, publicly humiliating her husband for being, quote, a dirty cheater. The woman, identified only as Jenny, expressed her rage in the August 12th edition of the Australian paper McKay and Wit Sunday Life. What, uh, Wit Sunday Life? Okay. Dear Steve, I hope you're happy with her. The ad, which was published in large font with capital letters, read, quote, Now the whole town would know what a filthy cheater you are. From Jenny. P.S. <laughs> I bought this ad using your credit card. 
Well, the newspaper, um, which is read uh, by more than 50,000 people in this little area, it's by the Great Barrier Reef, was inundated with calls from a bunch of nosy locals wanting further information on Jenny and her story. Um, So the paper uh, editors went to Facebook to inform the public that they would not be disclosing any details about Jenny, the woman who took out the ad. They revealed that she booked the ad via the online portal. Um, What ended up happening, according to them, is that um, they ended up not charging her because they said it was illegal to bill Steve's account without his consent. They added, we do not know who Steve is, but apparently he's been very, very bad. Uh, on Facebook, dozens of readers praised Jenny for humiliating her husband with one woman writing, oh, I wish I had done that when my husband left me for another woman. Hopefully it's out of your system now. You go, girl. However, um, not everyone you know, believed it. Some people thought that this was just the newspaper trying to, trying to get some attention for itself. Um, I don't know. I believe it. I believe that this woman did it. In fact, somebody was saying to me the other day, this friend of mine, she was like, I think that, that you know, you ought to be allowed, because we were talking about this whole defamation case with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and it was like, well, what's wrong with going and telling, you know, maybe pulling an ad or going on social media and posting the picture of this boyfriend or whatever who's done you wrong and saying, hey, beware of this guy, that like it's a matter of public service, right? Um, you know, if it's not a public figure and if you're not, you know, I don't know, it gets sticky, it gets sticky with, with you know, going public and, and leveling accusations against somebody. Even if you're not Johnny Depp, you've got to be careful with that or Amber Heard. Did you ever see the TV show Snapped on Lifetime Network? This It was true stories of women that snap that are like they've had it with this dude, right? In fact, one of the stories is a true story out of Houston where this dentist finds out her husband's cheating on her. She suspects he is and she, you know, they were having troubles and she thought, you know, she got a facelift. She got a, you know, breast augmentation thinking she's going to keep him. She suspects he's cheating on her. She hires a private investigator. And the investigator's like, he's here at the Hilton with this other woman. She shows up in her Mercedes, and you can Google this. She does donuts running over him in the <laughs> running over him. And at one point, I think she backs up and goes into reverse over him. This is a true story, y'all can Google it. She runs over him in a parking lot. So if you're if you're interested in true crime stories where women have had enough and take matters beyond running an ad in a newspaper, check out Snapped. Okay, here of the week and stink of the week. I think y'all can probably figure out who my stink of the week is. Runner up is the Democrats who voted in this big budget bloating, busting spending bill that includes 87,000 IRS agents that are going to be armed and trained uh, to shoot to kill. Uh, my overall stink of the week has to be the weaponized U.S. government. My hear of the week is a 14-year-old boy named Asher who saved his four-year-old brother from drowning in the river, and he drowned himself in the course of saving his little brother. Real absolute hero. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to my guests. Thank you, DJ Jalapeno. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you Monday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.